But before I do, I want to say thank you to everyone who prayed. Whether you came forward or whether you stayed in your seats, thank you. Whether you prayed or didn't pray, thank you. It's, it's, it's okay to be different. It's okay to do things differently. I know this was not what we usually do, but it's okay. Because God loves variety, and he accepts everything that we bring to him. Even if we think it's wrong, he still accepts it. So thank you for participating. And, and I know that he heard our prayers and that Ian will be back again soon, very soon. So let's read Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared, and still others that, none, that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John, who then is this I hear such things about. And he tried to see him. So the reason I wanted to do this differently today is, the title of this message is, It's Time to Rethink. And there's a, a verse in Romans chapter 12 that kind of goes along with this as well. And it's 12.1 says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's never a bad thing to rethink things in life. Now, it's not always a good thing either, okay? <laughs> you have to weigh what you're doing here. I'm not giving everybody a, a blank check to go out and just be wild and change everything about them. Take it to the Lord and allow him to change the thinking in your mind is what I'm saying. But I almost call this message a tale of two people, like a tale of two types of people. We read in here about the disciples. They are sent out by Jesus to go two by two into the world, drive out demons, and heal the sick. And then we got a guy who's like, didn't I just take care of this problem? I killed this guy named John, so who's this other guy doing all this? Just totally in the world. People that are understanding who Jesus is, following his lead, going out, with him, obeying his commands, and then you got a guy who's just like, it's all about me. I'm the king, and I'm going to take out anybody who's in my way. Two different types of people. Not a whole lot different from the types of people that we have in our world today. Now, I'm not here to stereotype or judge anyone or anything like that. That's not my place. But what I'm saying is, if we're stuck in the world, and I don't mean we're going out and killing people that are against us, like King Herod did, 
But if our mentality is so driven by the world, maybe it's time for us to rethink and be driven into a mentality of God. What was his mentality? The very first verse. He gave them power and authority. Power and authority. Two things. Okay? He called them to the 12 together. And I guess it doesn't say here. It says in Mark chapter 6, did he send them out two by two? Oh, he does. He sent them to preach. But he sent them two by two. Two. There's a verse in Deuteronomy, and I don't remember exactly where it is now, that says that everything is confirmed by the witness of two or more. So, one person's testimony alone is not enough. It must be confirmed by two or more. So you might say, well, well, what about people that stand up here and they give these testimonies about what God's done for them? They're only one person. No, they're not. They're not alone. It's the physical person testifying, and God's spirit within them is testifying with them. We are never alone. Anytime we give a testimony, we are part of a, two, a duo, us and the Holy Spirit. But what he's sending, sending them out to do is to heal the sick and to drive out demons, to cure diseases. When was this written? This took place almost 2,000 years ago, if, if we calculated time correctly since then. We had that period known as the Dark Ages, and there's some discrepancy, actually, if we really calculated time correctly during that time. But anyway, let's just say 2,000 years ago. So what changed? Why are we not going out and healing the sick and driving out demons? Why are we not going out and using the gifts of the Spirit that God has given us? Why are we just coming to church on Sunday morning to sing, to hear a message, and to go home? Now, some of you might be saying, well, I don't do that. I come to worship God. Great. But some of you might be saying, well, that's just what I've always done. I know. That's what I did when I started going to church when I was about 22 years old. Yeah, only 30 years. Well, I'm not quite 52 yet, so 21 years, or 29 years. I'm still holding on to that 51 <laughs> as long as I can. Every year you try to hang on a little bit longer. But anyway, what I'm saying is, we have, in our society, we have somehow gotten into this mentality of we go to church, we listen, sing, is there more to it? Yeah, there really is. And it's different for everybody, okay? I know that what I'm saying right now is not going to hit home with everybody, but it's going to hit home with some. And that's okay, because next week I'll probably hit home with the other people. I understand that. It took me a long time to realize that, but I understand that when you deliver a message, you're not always going to hit every person every time. Sometimes you will, but most of the time it's hit and miss. But what I'm saying is, it's not just the healing and driving out demons. And right now somebody's saying, what's he talking about, driving out demons? The more important thing is that first verse. He gave them power and authority. 
Who's he in this sentence? Well, let's go back to chapter 8. And if we go back, oh, it's Jesus. Jesus is the he. So Jesus gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. What is the power and authority that he gave? Well, let's look at some of the things that Jesus did in the Bible. Okay, he went to a wedding, and they ran out of wine. Now, if we go to weddings in 2021, I know we didn't go to many last year, but if we go to 2021, how long do they last? Tanya and I were at one a few weeks ago. It lasted four or five hours. These weddings lasted seven days, sometimes a little shorter, but more than, more than 24 hours. It was unusual to have a wedding that was less than three days. Okay, they get towards the end of the wedding, probably the seventh day, and all of a sudden, they're running out of wine. That was a huge thing. You just you didn't do that. Okay, so Jesus turns water into wine, John chapter 2. He begins his ministry. He's preaching inside a, a room in a house, and these four guys bring their friend who's crippled. They can't get in. It's packed. It is packed. Like you can't get through the doors. So imagine this church so full you couldn't get through the doors. Imagine that. They tear the roof off the house and lower the guy down. Jesus heals him. The man gets up and walks away. Jesus happens to go to the pool of Bethesda. There's a man that's been an invalid for 30 years. And he just he doesn't touch him. He just walks up to him and says, you want me to heal you? He says, yeah, sure. All right, get up and walk. Didn't touch him. Get up and walk. Walking down the road, some lady who's been bleeding for 12 years says, if I can just touch him, just touch him, I can be healed. She touches the edge of his cloak, and the power goes out of him. That's what the Bible says. He felt the power go out of him. That woman was healed by touching his cloak. I think I've given you enough examples, and I think you already know. We're talking about an amazing power here. Power that we don't know. But, let me read that again. He gave them power and authority. He gave them power and authority that he had. God simply said, let there be light. There was light. How many of you have ever done that? <laughs> if you flip the switch as you say it, let there be light. Oh, here come the lights. Sure. That doesn't count. <laughs> it's a different kind of power. Oh, we're not talking about electricity here. Okay. But that power that God has, he gave to us when we believe. That authority, okay, so we talked about the healing. Jesus walks up to a man who, these people cannot bind this man. They put chains on him, they put shackles on him, and he would break free. He stayed away, lived in the caves, 
but he had a legion of demons in him. And the demons, when they saw him coming, they said, don't torture us, send us out. So he simply spoke and said, come out of him. And they went into a herd of pigs and drowned themselves. There was a boy who would throw himself into fire and convulse because he was possessed by a demon. Jesus simply said, come out of him. That's authority. You know, if some of you either are now or have been in authority over people, maybe a manager, parent, all kinds of ways you can do it. We, sometimes if you have authority, you can speak, and the people do, right? Unless they want to be insubordinate. That's, we understand what authority is. Jesus gave us his authority. His authority. Now, does that mean that all 60 of us or 50 of us are here watching on Facebook as well? That we're all going to go out today and we're going to find somebody on the street and drive out demons? I wouldn't do that. <laughs> you can. Oh, you can. Because you have the authority. But with authority, we must learn how to use it. We must learn how to use it, okay? So that's why I'm saying don't go out on the streets and do it right now because let God work with you. But we have that authority. We have authority over things in our lives. You know how many times... When I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't get back to sleep, one of the first things I do is I say, God, you have given me authority over anything that may be afflicting me right now, any spirit that may be trying to keep me awake. I'm taking authority over it and asking it to be gone. Like that, I'm sleeping almost every time. Unless I got a stomach ache or something like that. You know, there's things that, physical things that can cause you to wake up as well. But if it's spiritual... Take authority. You have been given the authority over spirits that try to bring you down. Having a bad day? Take authority. I told somebody one time he was having headaches. I said, if, it could be physical. He said, they tried, the doctor tried everything. I said, okay, take authority. Just pray, God, that whatever's hurting my head Guess what? Yep, he doesn't have headaches anymore. He took authority. It was something spiritual. There might have been a physical component to it. We don't know. Doctors did all they could. Now it was time for him to do what he could do. Now some of you may be saying, you know, this is unusual. I don't, I've never heard this teaching before. Yeah, but you know what? It's from the Bible. And it's not just Luke chapter 9. There's other places that I can pull out and show you. We have the authority. Now, that doesn't mean that we can go around with this authority and, and curse the people we don't like. Okay? Don't do that. <laughs> because that just opens up. We won't even get into that topic. But let's go back to the healing part for a moment. When we were praying today, for the Thornton family. I heard, you're going to think I'm crazy, okay? I'm standing here. You may have seen me turn my head if you were watching. I heard someone speak behind me. I thought someone got up behind me and started talking. 
Okay? All it said was, be calm. That's all I heard. An audible voice say, be calm. And I opened my eyes for a second, looked. I didn't see anybody. Then I knew that God either sent an angel or he himself and the Holy Spirit was standing there telling me, because I was starting to get a little bit nervous when I was praying. I, was, I wanted to do it right. But after that, the authority came upon me, and, and I know, I'm telling you right now, Ian's going to be fine. God has heard our prayers. So I'm going to kind of break from what I was going to say for a moment, I want because I think this is kind of important. We may be asking why. Why would Ian have to suffer like this? Well, let me explain to you something that I struggled with many years ago when I first heard, I started, I mean, I read books about Jesus when I was six years old. My dad would read to me, tell me about Jesus. But when I started to understand that God, as the Father, allowed the Son to suffer. And when I saw The Passion of Christ, has anybody ever seen that movie? Powerful movie, isn't it? I asked the question, why would you allow him to suffer that way? So, I'm going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. There's a, God led me to this this morning when I first woke up. And I didn't understand why, but now I do. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal." So why would God allow His Son to suffer that way? Why? Because He loved us. And He wanted us to have that power and authority. He wanted us to know eternal life. He wanted us to rethink our minds. He wanted us to not look at the things that are seen, but look towards the things that are unseen. He wanted us to fix our eyes on Jesus. So why is God allowing Ian to suffer? And he's suffering. I'll just say it. He's suffering. Why? Because he has something greater in mind. We don't know right now how Ian's going to come out of this and what's going to be different about him. But I can promise you this. It's going to be good. Because that's the way God works. Even if it looks bad, it's going to be good. I don't care what it is. If it looks bad, don't look at it. Don't focus on what is unseen. Focus on what is seen. God's working in that man's mind right now. You know how I know this? Those stories of healing that I told you, what happened before them? If you think about it, if you know the stories, what happened before them? Man comes down through the roof. You know what Jesus said? Your sins are forgiven. He didn't say get up and walk. 
He said, your sins are forgiven. He meets, in John chapter 8, he meets a woman who's caught in adultery. He says, turn away from your sinful life. Okay? So am I saying Ian's a sinner? Well, we all are. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is he healed the mind first. He healed the spirit first. Then he healed the physical body. Every single time he healed somebody, he healed the mind and body, or mind and spirit first, then the body. There was a man born blind. The disciples asked, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born this way? And let me tell you, those parents were struggling. They believed in karma back then. They believed in that. Those parents were struggling. He healed the spirit first. So those parents, it wasn't either one of them. He released them from that bondage. They didn't sin. The son didn't sin. This was done so you may see the glory of God. He took care of the spirit. Then he healed the body the man could see. God is concerned about what we have on the inside. Like Paul said, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed every day. God is taking care of the inside, the spirit, more than what we see on the outside, the physical. I know that because I keep getting gray hair. <laughs> If God cared, I wouldn't be great, right? But we're wasting away on the outside, but inwardly, we're growing. And he wants us to rethink what we do when we call upon him. And I can't tell you what that is. That's something that you have to take to him because it's different for you and you and you and all of you than it is for me. So I can't tell you. I can only tell you what I've done, but you got to take it to God and say, God, what's Phil talking about? What's this renewing that I need to do in my mind? Please, do it. We all have different struggles. I could pick somebody from this side who has, has some kind of physical pain and somebody from this side who has emotional pain. God can heal both of them. But I can't tell you what to do because He wants to work with you. So to wrap this up, I want to do another prayer. And I'm going to pray because I believe God has given us the power and authority to heal as he did the disciples when he sent them out. Every single one of us has it. So I am going to call upon that authority and power right now. If you need healing in your life, you can come forward or you can stay where you are, but I'm going to pray that God's Holy Spirit comes upon us right now and brings emotional healing, physical healing, mental healing, spiritual healing, whatever you need. If you want to come forward, I will put my hands on your shoulders and pray for you. If you want to stay where you are, I know God's going to hear it. We're going to do this because he's given us the authority. Now, I'm not asking you to come tell me, hey, you were right. If you want to, that's fine, but I'm not asking for that. God's asking for you to tell him, though. He wants you, if you've been healed in any way after this prayer, he wants you to tell him. Because it's between you and him and not me between you and me. Okay? So let's pray. If you want to come forward, please do.